Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. As the Nationals are a strike away from franchise history and some World Series history. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! It's not a dream! It's not a desert mirage! It's Lord Stanley! And he is coming to Washington! Oh, great crossover. Got him. That's called getting put on skates. Down to two, down to one, and the Washington football team with the upset in Pittsburgh. Handing the Steelers their first loss of the season, coming back from 14-0 down. What a win. The show by the fans for the fans. Covering all four major sports in the District of Champions. It's the DC Crossover Podcast with your hosts, Mike Cerrone and Ben Simpson. Hello and welcome to another episode of the DC Crossover, episode number 72. Yes, we've done 71 of these, which is kind of crazy to think about. Uh, And we have another one in store for you today. A big, big show for you. Before we get to that, we want to remind you, follow us on Twitter at the DC Crossover for the main show account and follow one of our illustrious co-hosts here, Mike Cerrone at Cerrone16. One of our. There's only two of us. Yeah, there's only (laughs) two of us. I I run the main account. Mike runs his own personal account. And uh, that's the best way to keep in touch with the show. You also can find us on The Contender, which is now an app available uh, right. for download. Free app on the on uh, you know, Apple Store, or I assume it's on uh, Android as well. I'm not positive, though. But uh, if you have an Apple phone, search The Contender, Contender with a K. The app pops right up, and you can stream live sports content from Chicago or D.C. all throughout the week. So you can hear our show. Uh, it typically airs live on Tuesdays at noon as well as throughout the week. But uh, kind of cool. Kind of cool now. Now you don't have to worry about going on the uh, on the web on the web app or whatever on your phone to go listen to the episodes. Now you can do it all through the app itself, Mike. Big deal. Big deal for the content. Oh, yeah. I mean, we always talked about having like an app and st- stuff like that. Me and you have talked about things over the years of, oh, can we get an AM station somehow or something of that nature? Because obviously streaming, you know, through... Uh, a YouTube or something of that nature is more difficult. But now, you know, we got that surprise text because obviously they have been working behind the scenes and we got that text and we were like, oh, this is nice. And, you know, we were about to ask them actually about the app because they said around this time frame was when they said we were supposed to have the app come out. Right. It's actually not that bad because right when you open the app up, boom, it starts playing. There's no like, oh, you have to go to the website and press play and then wait five seconds for it to start up. I mean, it's literally right there on your phone. So easy. You plug it into your, your car or whatever, and you can listen to all of our episodes and different things of that nature. I believe right now 
if you go to podcast on the app itself, the contender with a K, it's it's not going to have our episodes on there just yet because it just got released. So right. I believe they're going to be starting to fill in uh, very, very soon. But as of right now, again, like Ben said, you can get all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, and also uh, Spotify. Uh, but you can also get them on the contender.com if you'd like that. Uh, but it should be all on the Contender app, the Contender with a K, uh, <laughs> very, very soon. Yeah, big developments happening behind the scenes. We hope it just all creates more ways for you to be able to consume our content and others like it. Big, big show today. Uh, as you can imagine, if you're a DC sports fan, Thursday was uh, one of the biggest, I'd say, days in DC sports history. I mean, Friday also, uh, but uh, Thursday especially because the news of multiple trades in the MLB world and in the NBA world came out that day. And I know as a DC sports fan myself, it was just one of those days where you're just like, there is so much happening. Yep. I'm getting notifications left and right on Twitter or, or, or texts from friends. Everybody's freaking out. This was, I mean, again, I, 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 I don't know what other day you could put up there with this one as far as like the biggest day in DC sports, besides like when the team's winning championships and things like that. I mean, maybe when we found out the Nats were not going to get Harper, I mean, uh, re-sign Harper, I think that was right. a pretty big day. Um, but besides that, Mike, I mean, they're having on the Wizards side. I mean, the John Wall, Russell Westbrook news when that trade was happening. I mean, that was a pretty big deal. But the fact that you've got baseball and basketball intersecting on the same day, as well as the NBA draft that night, this was just one of those sports days where you're like, I can't do anything else except for focus on on what is happening in the sports world at that time. I mean, those two teams, the Nats and the Wizards, basically just said, hey, we're going to com com combo here for a grenade for the entire capital. I mean, let's be right. honest here. So when you're looking at the entire trades, which we will get to here soon, I mean, the, f the first reaction was, wow, okay, they're having this happen, or they're having this happen, or the rumors are you know starting to ramp up a little bit. And like you mentioned, I was sitting there and just, just on my Twitter account, just refreshing every maybe five or six minutes mm -hmm. because you never know what was going to happen. Jeff Passan was saying something or Buster Olney or whoever it was for the Nats. And then you had uh, uh, Woj bombs for the for the <laughs> WNBA and all that kind of stuff. So when you're looking at these whole entire uh, moves that both teams were doing, obviously they weren't in cahoots with each other because they're two different organizations. But it just coincided that the trade deadline was a day after the NBA draft. So that's just how it was. So everything came on at once. And it was funny that every single uh, social media outlet was like throwing like Barstool, I bet, uh, threw out something. I'm sure ESPN did too, where it was like like DC fans right now. And they had all these like crying memes and all that stuff. And sure. it's like, that's the funny thing is that everyone has to sit there and like say like, oh, man, they just blew up both their teams and this and that. And this. I'm like, I, don't, I just don't get it. I mean, I'm going to get into probably a rant here at some point in, in this episode, but like just initial, you know, reaction, it's like everyone was saying so much negative stuff. You have a few rational fans out there, but everyone's saying so much negativity and it's like if you're so if you're so negative about these trades, then you're just a casual fan that doesn't know the innards of the sport. Now, you can be a casual fan. That's awesome. We want more fans for our teams. But when you look at it, don't sit there and just trash Rizzo or trash Tommy Shepard. When I'm, I'm, I'm sure all the people that were trashing the Wizards don't even know who Tommy Shepard is. Sure, so it's like sure. you're looking at it and saying, like, oh, Russell Westbrook, why are you trading him? You know, 
it just made no sense because everyone just started getting so much negativity on social media to the point where it's like it just, it just started becoming sickening because it's like at some point you have to be a, 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 re- a real person here. You have to be a, have to have a realization that this team, both teams, needed to be rebuilt or retooled, as we've been saying over last week too. But that's just the thing is that the initial reactions uh, were just so negative, in my opinion, from looking at all the hashtags that it just really was kind of be honest, it was just annoying to me. That's all yeah. it was. Yeah, no, it, it was there was wild emotions flying left and right all over Twitter, and uh, it's hard to it's hard to. Uh, remember sometimes that what we're seeing on Twitter is just like one section of the fan base yeah, yeah, that's yeah. reacting. I mean, uh, my purview on Twitter is usually like at max, maybe like 40 fans of the Nats or something like that. And I'm seeing all their reactions and their retweets and things like that. But there's thousands and thousands and thousands of other Nats fans that I'm not actually seeing their opinion on. Right. So we kind of forget that sometimes that what we're seeing on Twitter, especially is just like, it's a small segment of the bigger population of fans, but even that had a lot of infighting, a lot of people throwing out a lot of stuff. Um, you know, there were there were definitely different camps on what what has happened. I still have seen a lot of hostility towards the Nats for the moves that they've made um, from some people that even follow us on Twitter. So we'll get into the trades. And all of that on this episode, that's what we're here to do. We're not even doing a rewind this time because right. we have so much to talk about. So let's For dive once, into... Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is one of those things. It's summertime, usually... We're, uh, we're we're struggling a little bit for content. We're doing sandwich reviews and nugget reviews and food drafts and all this stuff because we have to fill the time. We have so much to talk about that we're having to cut other segments because <laughs> we want to make sure we have enough time. So let's start on the basketball side of things with the Washington Wizard. All right. The Washington Wizards here. Obviously, we're, we're going to get to the baseball stuff in a bit. But first, starting with the Wizards, let's little, recap a little bit about what happened last week. So Russell Westbrook was traded to the Los Angeles Lakers for Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and the number 22 pick. That number 22 pick in the draft ended up being flipped over to the Pacers and traded for Aaron Holiday. Um, and then the Wizards, of course, also drafted two guys in the in the draft uh, on the, later that Thursday. Corey Kispert from Gonzaga was a 15th overall pick, and then they also ended up drafting Isaiah Todd, who they received uh, that pick from the Pacers in that Aaron Holiday deal. Uh, Isaiah Todd played for the G League team, that Ignite team of those players that came right out of high school. So a big a big sequence of events for the Wizards because you had this Westbrook deal go down around the same time of the draft and the future of the franchise being kind of uh, figured out with a pretty big pick in this draft for Shepard as well. But let's talk about the trade first. So yep. Russell Westbrook gets traded away, big contracts now sent over to the Lakers. The Lakers, um, I'll tell you right now, so the Lakers now have, of course, Westbrook, AD, and LeBron. And my initial reaction on the Lakers side of this is I don't understand it. <laughs> you know, I don't fully understand it from the Lakers perspective. Um, you bring in a guy that doesn't really shoot the three ball. Well, uh, you lost a really good three point shooter in Contavious Caldwell Pope. Uh, you already have LeBron and AD playing in the paint. 
So now you bring in Russell Westbrook, who likes to primarily play inside and doesn't really shoot it well from outside. So the floor is not being spread well. You've also got a guy who's notoriously bad in the playoffs in Russell Westbrook, and you're supposedly trying to make a playoff run now with him at point guard. It just didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me from a Laker perspective, Mike. But from a Wizard perspective, not that bad of a trait. I mean, I, I like some of the moves here. I like bringing in the defensive presence of Montrez Harrell, who's been one of my favorite players to watch uh, right. on other teams because he brings that kind of gritty toughness uh, to the game. You get a pretty good perimeter defender in Contavious Caldwell-Pope and a good three-point shooter. I think he was like first or second on the Lakers in three-point shooting last year. And then you bring in Kyle Kuzma, who's always been kind of one of those guys where it's like, all right, he's pretty good. Um, he has some nice moments here and there. Right. He's never been a guy that's full I feel like stepped into the role of superstar or anything like that, but a decent player. Um, so, and they got a pick out of it. So, I think overall, I'd say between the Wizards and the Lakers, my opinion is the Wizards won this trade. I don't know. That's oh, what, yeah. that's my thoughts. A hundred percent. And that's the thing is that I believe when you're looking at who won this trade, I think actually both teams did get an, an upgrade sure. because of the sole fact that the Wizards are rebuilding. Let's be honest here. When you have Rui, when you have Denny, I mean, I'm looking at the uh, payroll right now, the ages for these guys. I mean, Thomas Bryant's 23, Denny's 20, uh, Isaac Bonga, you know, he's probably not going to be on the team next year. Uh, he's 21. I just saw that. Daniel Gafford's only 22. I thought that guy was like 37, to be honest <laughs> with you. I mean, I, I never knew him I before think, this and season. And I think Bonga, I think officially is gone. I think I okay. just like, just like the other day, I think like yesterday or something like that, I think the Bonga era is gone. But I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure I was just, I'm just looking at the ages and I have it like yeah, listed yeah, yeah. out. And I, obviously Isaac Bonga's 21, so he was one of the first ones on that came up. So so I, I shouldn't even have said that. But anyways, you have Denny, who's 20. Like I said, Rui's 23. Thomas Bryant's 23. Cassius Winston, your guy, 23. He might be a role player at some point. Garrison Matthews, 24. So we have a lot of guys that are below 25 in the age range. And, and Bradley Beal right now is the old man. Right. So you're looking at him at 28 years old. You're thinking, okay, we can try to build around him in his next, say, five years. Because right now, Russell Westbrook at 32, now he's built a little different. He's more of like the Russell Wilson type guy, where he's a little bit more not not to compare Russells, but he's you know he, he's he's a little stockier and he doesn't get injured as much. But you're looking at Bradley Beal, and he's 28 years old. We have him all the way for the next two seasons, or I should say one season, because obviously next year is 21, 22. But then he has a uh, player option in 22, 23. So when you're looking Looking at this, they want to build around Beal, and they had to get rid of that contract. And that's the biggest thing I look for is we've got, like you said, Kuzma, Harrell. I love the Harrell addition. I loved Harrell ever since college. And when you're seeing uh, you know KCP come in there as well, another shooter that can take maybe some of the pressure off Bertans at some points, unless Bertans somehow gets traded at some point. We saw rumors of that, but probably it's not going right. to happen. Um, but you're looking at that. And also Corey Kisper, who you mentioned before, uh, he's shooting like 44% from three-pointers. I mean, so we got some shooters now that we can actually play with, and Bradley Beal doesn't have to be the guy to rely on to shoot the three, or Davis Bertans out there shooting haymakers somehow <laughs> from like half court because he feels like he has to shoot the three ball. It's just when you look at it, I just think the Wizards in this sense, I'll get to the, the Lakers here in a second, but the Wizards won this trade because my main thing, and I've talked to you and our other buddy in our group messages like we always do every single, every single week. We talk about everything every single week it feels like, and we always mention it on this show. So when we're talking about that, my biggest factor was that cap number. Because what have we been talking about for the last three years? Oh, that John Wall contract. Oh, the John Wall contract. Oh, this and that. But Tommy Shepard seems to be a couple steps ahead and knows that if I trade for Russell Westbrook, okay, 
I'll get, you know, I'll have, you know, the Rockets maybe get a little bit of, of you know, leeway in their situation because they're rebuilding. We'll take Russell Westbrook, and I think in his mind, because we didn't really think about this, he's more of a coveted guy because he went out there, and now he's hitting triple doubles left and right for the Wizards, breaking a record, Oscar Robertson's record, and all that kind of stuff. So now teams actually say, oh, this guy is not 32. He's playing like a 27-year-old. He's a very good regular season player. Exactly, and that's the thing, though. And that's the thing, though, is that when you look at it, we needed to get rid of that contract because it was 26% of our cap, and he actually did that. And now he has guys that aren't taking that much cap. We got more role-player type guys, and they're probably not going to be here in the next two years. Okay, Maybe one or two of them might be, but we're actually trying to build for the future with the, around these young guys. And these young guys aren't bringing huge numbers. I mean, Daniel Gafford, we got him in control for under $2 million for the next three years. So when you're looking at it, that's ridiculous. Then you see a Thomas Bryant, another two years. And obviously, if Thomas Bryant gets hurt again, his his cap number is going to go down from $8 million to probably $6 million or something like that because they're not going to pay him if he keeps getting injured. Right. And so on and so forth. we got Denny. we got Rui. we got these guys for low cap numbers. So now we have tons of cap space to sign free agents within the next two years because I, I mentioned to you off air that right now you're looking at in two years, in two years we only have seven guys under contract. Seven guys. Right, right. So when you look at a, a typical bench, you see usually 12 guys. So that's five players you have to fill in. And the cap number for those those seasons, and that honestly, I say seven guys. Actually, it's less now, I believe, because Russ is gone. And that was one of the ones I was counting. You're looking at it now and saying that cap number is gone. That's $47 million. $47 million. And I believe uh, either you or Dan in our group message said something like, we got like 30-some million in cap space, something like that. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. There's, th- there's going to be some money to spend. And it seems like... Tommy Shepard is is kind of using that to help try to right, entice right. Beal to stay, to say, hey, look, give us another year or two. We're going to have some money to spend. We're going to find you a, another superstar to play with. Um, we're going to have money. We're getting rid of these big old contracts of old. We're bringing in a bunch of young guys to play Cleaning with house. you. Cleaning you house. know, that sort of stuff. Like, I want you to stay. And if he doesn't, now the Wizards aren't as in, in as bad a shape as they would have been in the past because let's say Beal does walk, there is a pretty good core to work with here, and there's going to be money to spend. So it's like, hey, I, in an ideal world, Beal will stay. I mean, I think you want that. I think I want that. I would love Bradley Beal to be a Wizard for life. Um, I mean, we just saw Giannis win a championship with the Bucks, a team that he was drafted by yep. and has played with the whole time. Like, there's something more special about a guy who wins a title where he's only played for that team. I would love to see Bradley Beal win an NBA title for the Wizards and be like, this is the guy that we drafted out of Florida. He's been with us this whole time. Mm-hmm. But if we lose him, if he decides, you know what, I'd rather go play for uh, a media contender or something like that, this team is still going to be okay, Mike. I mean, there's going to be money to spend. They're, they can bring in some other superstars and that sort of thing. So that's exciting, too, as a Wizards fan. Right. They're not as handcuffed as they've been maybe in the past. And that's the funny thing, too, is that, like you mentioned, if Beal does walk and you include Russ in that, that whole entire walking stage, I guess you could say, that's $84 million of right. 109 cap space. $109 million, $84 million of that will be gone, and that's literally right there for the taking for a, a, a player that's, I wouldn't say a Giannis-type player because Giannis was drafted by the Bucks. but when you look at it, that's a player that wants to, dra- to go to a new team with new pieces around him and have, hey, this is my team now, I'm in D.C., this is my team, who wants to come play with me? Yeah, that's, exactly. that, that, that's, exactly. what I'm, that's what I'm looking at if Beal walks. I personally don't think Beal will walk because now – 
that you see Giannis go out there. I think the whole entire Giannis thing was a huge deal when he came out there and said, ah, super teams, you know, those are overrated, basically, whatever he said. And I think now some of the superstars, like a Bradley Beal, are saying, like, I don't really need to go join Steph Curry. I mean, it would be nice, but I don't need to go over there and try to win a championship because then, you know, Giannis just did that. Now Giannis is looking like a champion because of the sole fact he, you know, won it with 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 uh, with guys that were, you know, overlooked in the drafts and different stuff of that nature. So sure. I just think that when you're looking at it, if Beal walks, which I don't think personally he will, then, I mean, it's not going to be that big of a deal because then Tommy Shepard basically has, you know, wiping his hands, say, clean slate now. I got some young role players that I've drafted and now we're producing, and now I can have time for another superstar to come in here. But at the same time, I mean, you look at the the Lakers, though, just just to touch on them real fast, as you mentioned, I think it's a decent move for them because – AD is pretty much the future. Okay, AD he's not he's not a young buck anymore, but he's still you know really young. He's still in his twenties. So when you're looking at it, if Russ and and LeBron go out there, and I don't know how many years LeBron has left. If him and LeBron go out there and give it two years, give it give it two shots at trying to go get a title, and LeBron might retire, Russ might retire, then that's that's a good you know little, little chip for them because then they have AD as as the center centerpiece focal point for them. So they have a superstar, and then they have a lot of cap space when those two guys are, are done with the team within the next two years. So, sure. I mean, that's a, that's a good shot for them. But at the same time, I, I don't know if, like you mentioned before off air, I don't think it's got that is really going to mesh too, too well because a lot of guys, a lot of egos in that building. Um, but at the same time, I think, like you mentioned, the Wizards definitely won this trade because they got pieces to help them for next year to compete. They're not looking for a, a top five lottery pick. That's not really going to happen with the pieces they got right now, especially when you got a, a guy like Bradley Beal on the team. He's not going to sit there and just lay down and say, like, all right, you know, I'm gonna, I'm not, I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm gonna score 16 points a game now. You know, but I just think that you know drafting Corey Kispert, which we can get to it here in a second, uh, was a big deal as well because he played with Rui and and also just having these guys out there that are, you know, they're now that I'm noticing they're kind of drafting besides Denny last year because we didn't really know too much of Denny. If you look at Rui and Corey Kispert, these type of guys. We can get into that real quick. That yeah. those guys were in a great system with Mark Few. So when you're looking at now, they're getting like these core guys in college that were in great systems and kind of doing the similar things like the NFL does, uh, where the NFL, you know, they always get a great program, not like this high flying, you know, random West Coast team or whatever. They go for like these nitty gritty guys that have good character and different things, like Ron Rivera is kind of doing for the WFT with their with their whole entire pick with uh, with the Kentucky guy. That now, I'm, of course, I'm mind blank. Jamin Davis. Sorry, uh, we haven't talked about the WFT forever so i forgot i know but I know. we will we will get to the wft probably next week next yeah. it was too much to talk about this right. week so. but that's what i'm saying though they're trying to get these guys these nitty-gritty guys that are good systems that are good role sure. players and and they're not superstars because they're obviously not in the top five but you know they are good players to the point where we can build around these guys and be like the sixers for instance who have two superstars and they have a bunch of role players around them unless you want to uh, you know have harris be a superstar i think he's more of a really good player yeah um but at the same time i just think that we could use that kind of mo- model and try to see if we can build something just like the Sixers have done over the last four or five years. Yeah, I think for the pick, I mean, 15th pick is kind of a crapshoot. Um, I think it was a really well done pick. I mean, there was a couple guys that I was hoping would fall to us. Um, Moses Moody was a guy who I was hoping was going to fall to us. He didn't. Um, so I think, I mean, Kispert was on the short list. And, and as you mentioned, I mean, tr- tremendous scorer in college. I'm 18 and a half points per game, five rebounds, shot 53% from the field, 44% from deep, which was the sixth best three point percentage in division one hoops. Um, and, and like you said, played with Rui a couple times, uh, as well. 
at Gonzaga. So Kispert's a guy who, I mean, he, he wasn't just a one-and-done freshman. He, he was in a system for a while. He matured. He got to play in a national title game this past year. Got smoked, of course. <laughs> but still, yeah. uh, Kispert had a great season. He's a great I, I shooter. Lo- I love they got smoked. I got I got 500 bucks out of it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, I mean, I think he's he will be an immediate impact player for the Wizards. They're going to use him probably off the bench or something like that, but he's going to need to be that that scorer. And, and if Bertans is still here, which hopefully he wouldn't be because it would be great to get that contract gone, but at the same time, if, he, if, if Bertans is still here and he's healthy, think about that type of shooters off the bench. I mean, right. you, you pull off Kispert and Bertans off the bench, for, I mean, just run them off screens uh, all day and try to get them open for open threes? I mean... This team was not that great of a three-point shooting team last year at all. So it's nice to kind of see that. Isaiah Todd, we'll see. I mean, 6'10 forward, as I mentioned, played for the Ignite last year, 12-3 and in in about 16 games. He was a big recruit out of high school. He's a five-star, McDonald's All-American. He's a native of Baltimore. I believe he played his high school ball in North Carolina. Um, So this is a guy who they're just hoping, hey, he's an athletic forward. Maybe he pans out. Maybe he doesn't. I mean, uh, the 22nd pick in the draft or excuse I think so they traded the 22nd I think this pick was like the 36th or something I don't know um but you know I I think it was a a good pick at that spot as well I I don't expect a whole lot size yeah I don't don't expect us to see a ton of Isaiah Todd he'll probably be like a third string guy but um you know now the big question is at the point guard position are the who are the Wizards going to go after they have a short list the name that's been floated out there uh, according to recent reports is Spencer Dinwiddie um the thinking is maybe the Wizards would flip either Harrell or KCP, I believe. Might be Harrell and Kuzma um, for they flip one of those players, not not both. They flip one of them for for Spencer Dinwiddie, possibly from Brooklyn, because Brooklyn obviously doesn't necessarily need Dinwiddie anymore because they've got you know Kyrie and all those other guys. So that's something to watch. I know other names have been thrown out there. I know Lonzo Ball's names have been thrown out there. Yep, uh, yep. He's also been linked to our, our boys, Windy City Breeze, Chicago. Um, so I think the Wizards have some, uh, you know, a little bit of money to spend, but I think uh, it's going to be maybe a trade type situation. Maybe you're able to get Berton, flip Bertans and a pick or something like that. So we'll keep an eye on it, Mike. But we bring in Aaron Holiday from the Pacers as a kind of a backup point guard role, seven points per game, about two assists. Uh, he's about to enter his fourth season in the NBA. Not a bad backup to have, uh, athletic guy. Uh, I mean, anybody's better than Raul Neto, you got to think. <laughs> I know he's your favorite, Mike, but I'm kind of oh, tired of, of Neto. <laughs> oh, I, I love Neto because uh, he made seven threes in a game, and then on the next game I right. bet on him to make one, and he, sh- he shot 0 for 6. Yeah, um, there you go. Yeah, that's uh, my favorite. Um, but, yeah, that's the thing is that, you know, like I mentioned before, we're building around Rui, Corey Kispert now. Uh, Daniel Gafford, I think, is going to be here for the long haul because he showed a lot of heart, especially right. only being 22. That guy is – I love is a, a Gafford it, and Harold underneath combo. I yeah. mean that those would be two great guys to have underneath. Yeah, and that's the that's the funny thing too is that when we you know we we trashed Gafford when we were like who is this guy? Who is this guy? But then uh, the next like month and a half he, that guy he showed us oh, who yeah. he was. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have to keep going. We can back be to wrong that. every now and then. Oh yeah, well we we're wrong a decent amount. Um <laughs> except when it comes to the Nats. I think we're always right when it comes to the right, Nats. Right, right, 100%. But uh <laughs> when it comes down to it, I think honestly if you put Thomas Bryant at the 5 and then put Gafford at the 4, that that would be a nice combo because those would that'd be two guys down low cuz Thomas Bryant, you know, he's always the guy, he's kind of a fiery guy down there and stuff like that but those would be nice two rim protectors have Beal at the two uh depending on who you have at the one we'll have to see about that and yeah. then you have uh, uh Ruby at the three 
I mean, that would be nice because Rui honestly is now – I mean, he's integrating some some game over in Tokyo, and you saw him against Slovenia the other night. I mean, he shot he, – he made like 33 points, something like that, against yeah. Luka. Yeah, he's getting some confidence. You got to love to see that. I mean, uh, I think the big thing will be – the, for next year is getting guys like Rui more touches and, and right. on a Russ led offense that just wasn't going to necessarily happen as much as maybe you'd like. And now hopefully uh, even if it's Dinwiddie or whoever, hopefully it's a playmaker that's going to be given the ball around a little bit more and that sort of thing. Um, and now you've got Kyle Kuzma in there too. Who's kind of a wild card guy. I mean, yeah. this could be, could this be a good landing spot for Kuz? I don't know. Um, but overall, I think uh, we'll, we'll wrap up this segment, but I mean, as a Wizards fan, I'm hopeful. I like this move. I like some of the names of the guys that have come in here. I think this is this is not an Ernie Grunfeld move at all. This yeah, is definitely right. a Tommy Shepard move. Exact opposite. <laughs> and a Tommy Shepard draft, too, because otherwise we would be talking about some guys whose name we can't pronounce because he's from, you know, a tiny town in the Czech Republic or something like that, because <laughs> usually that's what uh, Ernie Grunfeld would do in the draft. Instead... We got Corey Kispert, we got uh, Isaiah Todd, and then, of course, Aaron Holiday coming in for the Pacers. And now we've got some other new guys. As a Woods fan, this creates that intrigue where it's like, yeah, I'm going to watch this team. I'm going to watch this team on opening night because um, it's right. not the same guys. It's it's a new new blood. Uh, it's going to be a different-looking team. I'm interested. And, and that's that's a big thing for, and, as a Wizards fan. And, and that's the thing, to end it right here, That that's the thing that I'm looking at is that people have to go into that season and say, okay, we don't have a Russell Westbrook and a Bradley Beal combination or anything like that. You know, because I know me and you were, were pretty excited for that opening night against the Sixers, and we were like, man, it's going to be a great season. It's a great game and all that kind of stuff. Uh, then they ended up, like, basically what, losing seven of the next ten or whatever it was. But it's like you look at it, and you're like, this season coming up is going to be a production season. It's going to be a developmental season. People can't sit there and expect to make the playoffs. You know, we expected to make the playoffs last season, and we did, but it was kind of a run to the, you know, a sprint to the finish. But when you're looking at it, this season coming up is not going to be a season that's going to be like, you know what, we have a great team, something like that. This season is going to be literally a practice. This yeah. is a practice for us. Let's be honest here. Yeah, it's going to be something where – I, I want to go in with low expectations, and if the team is able to perform and and possibly continue, I mean, all signs are pointing to I believe them keeping the ten seeds uh, for playoffs. Um, so like you know, I, I could see this team easily contending for a, like a ten seed. I definitely yeah. don't see them making the leap up into four or five territory right, yet. Right, right. But I think we're a couple years away from that. I think we're definitely possibly the following season if if Tommy gets the checkbooks out from from Mr. Leonsis maybe <laughs> we could see this team really leaping into where they need to go so we'll see I, I'm excited though I, I'd love to see Corey Kispert out there with the headband knocking down threes <laughs> right. um, and then yeah you see Montrez Harrell I mean he's going to bring some of that grit that you had back when like uh uh, was it Markeith or Marcus? I believe it was Markeith Morris when he was on the Wiz. When he was here, he played with a little bit of grit and toughness. Right, yeah, so Markeith, yeah. It, it's kind of fun to see. It's kind of fun to see when you got tough guys because the Wizards never really have tough guys. Thomas yeah. Bryant's been the only guy that's ever been really getting in tiffs. Russ was Russ is that guy. He's yeah. he, he's definitely a bulldog on the court. But besides that, the Wizards always have these passive guys. Yeah. But now you get Marches Harrell in there. I'll tell you, that guy's not afraid of anybody in this league. Exactly. And Thomas Bryant would always get seven fouls uh, somehow, which makes <laughs> oh, no sense. Yeah. You'd always get. Oh, Thomas <laughs> found Bryant. out in the second quarter. <laughs> Thomas Bryant would pick up his like third foul before the half, like clockwork every single game. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna be fun to watch. We'll we'll keep an eye on uh, the moves moving forward for the Wiz. See if they grab another point guard. 
So big day for the Wiz. Now an even bigger change in the franchise shift on the baseball side of things. The Washington Nationals. Oh, man. The Washington Nationals. Oh, man. Imagine if you had, like, gotten into an accident and you fell into a coma, Mike, like, on (laughs) Monday of last week, and you woke up today and you were a Nats fan, and you suddenly looked at the (laughs) roster, and you're like... Like, that's the first thing you do when you wake up from a coma is you look at the Nats depth chart <laughs> and you're like, where the hell did everybody go? Right. Well, this is it's a whole different team than, than a week ago. It's insane. The Nats right now, 49-56. They did beat the Cubbies today in a uh, walk-off fashion. Uh, f- uh, fourth place still in the division. This is still not a team that's going to be contending for the division. It would be hilarious if they did, though. It would be right. It would be incredible if they if they actually made a run at this thing. Let's run through these moves real quick because there's so many of them. Yep. Um, and then we're going to dive into the prospects, all this good stuff. But all right. So Daniel Hudson traded to the Padres. You bring in uh, two guys, right-handed pitcher Mason Thompson and shortstop Jordy Barley. Kyle Schwarber traded to the Red Sox. Right-handed pitcher Aldo Ramirez comes back to us. Brad Hand to the Blue Jays. Catcher Riley Adams. Catchers, by the way, is a theme of this <laughs> trade deadline. Max Scherzer, the biggest deal, of course, Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers for four prospects. We got Kebert, uh, Kebert Ruiz, uh, Josiah Gray, JoJo Gray, they call him, Gerardo uh, Carrillo, and Donovan Casey. John Lester traded to St. Louis. By the way, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. There was rumors that John Lester flipped off the fans when he left. Did you? I don't know if you saw this. So I like didn't the rumor, see that. The rumor was so Lester and a couple other guys were leaving. I think Jan Gomes and them. They're all leaving Nats Park. I think for the last time, there were some fans by the Nats Park that were like saying bye to them. Apparently, the rumor was John Lester like flipped them the bird, uh, which is kind of wild. The, the Cardinal, they flipped yeah, the Cardinal. yeah, he flipped the Cardinal bird. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I'm just saying what I saw on Twitter. But it's like if that's true, it's like what the hell, dude? Yeah, you were sweet. terrible when you were here. For, so who cares? Um, <laughs> so he was traded to St. Louis. Nats got back a center fielder, Lane Thomas, Jan Gomes, and Josh Harrison were traded to the A's for right-handed pitcher Richard Gauch, right-handed uh, pitcher Seth Schumann, and catcher Drew Millas. So all in all, twelve prospects back. To the right. Nationals, all of them, I believe, all of them are twenty-five years and under. Yep. Um. Yeah, I'm just going through right now. Yeah, twenty-five years and under, and uh, a, a huge haul, Mike. A huge haul. So, I guess first off, before we get into the individual moves, um, you know, the biggest move of them all, of course was Max Scherzer and Trey Turner being moved. Now, Max was a guy who we threw out his name as a possible trade piece weeks and weeks ago Oh yeah, um, because we knew, hey, he's at the end of his contract. You could flip him for something and then maybe try to re-sign him. But Trey Turner is the big one because you and I said on this very show last week uh, that we were hoping that this team would build around Juan Soto and Trey Turner for the future, build everything around those young guys. Part of that was ended up being true. They are building around one of those young guys and Juan Soto – but Trey Turner is now a Los Angeles Dodger, which is very, very weird to see um, in the graphics and things like that on Instagram. But your immediate reaction to the knowledge and uh, of Trey Turner now no longer being a Washington National. So Trey Turner, me and you have both spoken of, like you mentioned many times, that we want to build around him and Juan Soto, like just like you, just like you mentioned. The thing about it is, is that 
I would, and this is my clear-cut statement, that I would say that I would prefer to keep Trey Turner because he still is only 28 years old. He's got a cannon of an arm. He's, he's, a, he's literally like the ghost rider out there just flying around the bases. And he also hits over 300, which we don't have a lot of that. Yeah. Okay, let's put I mean, it on. He's one of the, I, I would put him in the top three, top three or four shortstops in Major League Baseball. Right, I mean, right. he is that good. Yes, and having Mike Rizzo make that trade with the Rockies, uh, and what was it, four or five years ago, whatever, was brilliant uh, because he turned out to Padres, be what he Padres. Yeah. Padres, sorry about that. Uh, and, uh, you know, that was, that was brilliant. So when you're looking at it, I just think it's, I mean, I, like I said, my statement is that I would prefer to keep him, but sure. I understand why they got rid of him. Mainly because now that you just mentioned all those prospects that we got, whatever it was, 12 or something like that, yeah, 12, 12 prospects, yeah. all those prospects you just mentioned are under 25 years old. Trey Turner's 28, going on 29, and you're looking at it, it's like, okay, I understand that we wanted to you know, keep him around. Everyone liked him, and he was a great player and all that kind of stuff. But when you look at it, why not package him and get another prospect or two out of that deal? Because you mentioned it to me, and you kind of brought this realization to me uh, a few days ago, saying that we're not going to get the best haul for Max because, um, obviously, it's a rental. And, obviously, Max is probably not going to play for another three years. He might have maybe another year or two left in him to go full force into what he does. Yeah, yeah. Because father time usually – we're not all Nolan Ryan out here pitching to you're 67 <laughs> years old. Okay? But when you look at it, Max Scherzer, the way he pitches, he has so much torque in his body, it's going to wear on him at some point. Okay. Oh yeah, we saw it in the World Series. I mean, exactly. the neck injury uh, where he just couldn't he couldn't even pitch that day. Yeah. Right, and that's the thing is that why not you know give the Dodgers Trey Turner, which again Trey Turner is going to try to get in the next year because his contract ends next year. He's going to try to get three hundred plus million. I mean, that's the thing. That's kind of the funny thing too is we saw Harper get three hundred plus million, Rendon similar to that, and then you yeah. got Trey Turner's going to do the same kind of thing. So we got all these superstars that we're kind of giving away. Yes, yes, we didn't, you know, get anything for Bryce and Rendon. That seemed to be a mistake. And that was Even, the mistake. I mean, they learned from the mistake, yeah, Mike. Exactly. And that's the point here is that no one's understanding that. So when you look at it, yes, Max. Love Max. You love Max because Max is basically on your teams for his entire career, basically, yeah, with, the, yeah. with the Tigers and the Nats. <laughs> but then you're looking at it, and Trey Turner, you know, he was with us ever since he got up to the the big leagues. He's been with us. So everyone's been used to that. But that's the thing is, and I'll, I'm going to get to a, a probably a rant here in a minute. I'll let you speak after this, is that I just think that whole entire trade made sense. Now, when you have a realization that, okay, it sucks, but we come back and we're like, all right, you know, we got, you know, a, a gr the top two prospects from the Dodgers who always usually have a good farm system. We got the top two prospects back from them. We'll take that, okay, because we didn't have a farm system pretty much. We had yeah. Cade Cavalli and Jackson Rutledge, and that's pretty much all we had. So when you're looking at it, we got two prospects. We needed a catcher. Hopefully Ruiz turns into that catcher of the future. We might see that. Who knows? Uh, right now, you know, he's hitting pretty well in AAA this season. 3.11 average, 38% OBP, pretty damn good for a catcher that will probably be slotted in the six or seven spot, you know, for the rest of his career, pretty much, uh, in the, with the Nats at least, uh, because that's not a pretty bad. Not, not it usually catches in the middle to back half of the order, anyways. Right. Um, unless you're JT Real Muto or whoever or Wilson Contreras <laughs> or something like that. Or in fact, Adley Rushman on the Orioles side right. of things. Right. So now the Nats and the Orioles both have switch hitting catching prospects at the top of their prospect boards, which is just right. kind of a fun little wrinkle to this. It, it is. It is. But yeah, I think Trey Turner. Um, you know, he, I get why people would be upset just because he is 
He is one of those guys, like you mentioned. He's grown up with the franchise. Uh, while he wasn't drafted by the Nats, Nats got him when he was still very young, um, and he's had some great moments here. I'm mean, hitting for the cycle three or four times or whatever, uh, just playing a tremendous shortstop position. I mean, he was a guy that came and as we were transitioning out of the Ian Desmond years where Ian oh, yeah. Desmond was a shortstop for this team for so long. Trey Turner comes in, played center field for us while we still had Desmond at shortstop. And then he played second base for us for a bit. And then finally settled in as the everyday shortstop. So he's done nothing. I mean, he's, he's done everything this team has asked him to do. He's, uh, you know, played hurt. He's played healthy. He's, he's put up great numbers. Um, we are all sorry to see him go. Cause he, yeah. he seems like a yeah. likable guy too. Um, but you're right. In the business sense, the Nats had the one of the oldest farm systems in baseball and one of the worst farm systems in baseball at this point. Now that all their guys that were good in the farm systems were up besides a couple pitchers. This reinvigorates the farm system. This brings in, I mean, of the prospects that they got back from all of these trades, three of these prospects automatically slide into the Nats top 10 spots in their in the prospects list, right, their top right. thirty, two of them are in the, now the top two. They jump over Cade Cavalli and Jackson Rutledge because they're that good. And all in all, ten of the twelve are now in the top thirty. So that just shows you that okay, and they're all under you know, they're twenty five years old and under. So now this prospect system and it's it sucks. People don't get the prospect side, and I get it because it's tough because you're like, I don't care about this guy who's playing in freaking Harrisonburg that I'm never going to see. <laughs> the game's not on TV. I have to I have to go to MILBT.TV and pay 20 bucks or whatever to right. watch this grainy footage and terrible radio guy call this game. I get it. You, you don't, it's not fun when good guys are in the, in the prospect system, unless it's like a Bryce Harper who's like a once in a generational guy or a Juan Soto or that sort of stuff. So I get why people get frustrated with that when they see, well, no, we have Trey Turner now. Why do I care about a guy who might be good in three years? But you got to think about the fact that this Nats team right now is before all these trades, it, it was a bunch of old guys and then a couple young studs on the field. And like, that right. was it. You had Alcides Escobar and Gerardo Parra, guys that I complained about. And, and that's what this team would be looking like, Mike, for the future if they didn't make these moves. So I'm happy about it. I'm happy we get some youth in there. Cabot Ruiz is really solid. We'll go through all the prospects in a sec, but I want to throw it back to you um, that, uh, you know, Trey Turner, it's, it's probably one of the toughest moves because those other guys that left... Uh, they were free agents, and and those were tough too because it's almost like them saying like I don't want to come back to you. And Trey Turner didn't ever said that he just happened to be part of the trade. Right. Uh, so I think this one will be toughest for us to swallow. But in the end, I think this will benefit the franchise moving forward, and and they'll be a little less handcuffed. They won't be paying the three hundred million uh, for Trey Turner and three hundred another three hundred million for Juan Soto. You know. Yeah, and that's the thing that I even I even put it on Facebook because I was getting so frustrated. Um, here, my, my my rant might start now, um, but I told you I was kind of in a mood today, so I was sure. like, I, something's it's just something's not ticking right today. Um, but you look at it, okay? Some of the guys like we mentioned that got traded: Daniel Hudson, free agent, as you mentioned, Brad Hand, Jan Gomes, all free agents; Josh Harrison, all free agents. So these guys, you know, we got something for them because. You know, we already said it. We waved the white flag, you know, last week. We were like, this is done. One day got blown out by the Orioles. We were done with it. Right. Okay? That was it. That was the, the final nail in the coffin. Exactly. And that's the thing is that when I went on Facebook and I was like sitting there and I was just like, it was just like coming from my heart. I was like, people, because I saw this one comment. I will say this. I saw one comment on Twitter where this guy was like, 
well, man, I'm spending money on this team, and this team owes us something. This is like yeah, number I saw one, stuff like that too. Yeah. Number one, we just won the World Series two seasons ago. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. So number which one, which is an dude, extremely hard thing to do. I mean, people don't understand exactly, especially if they're young baseball fans. Maybe they don't fully understand. I mean, like I'm a Tigers fan. I have never seen a Tigers win a World Series in my lifetime because they won in 1984. I right. eight years away from me even being born. I mean, Chicago Cubs fans went hundreds of years before their team won. I mean, winning a World Series is a very, very tough thing to do, and we just did it two years ago. And that's the funny thing. It's like, I'm like, dude, sit back in your rocker and shut up. Like, <laughs> bro, like, what are you talking about? Like, oh, this team owes me. They don't, they don't owe you anything. It's like if Amazon, you know, if, if, if they have no return policy or something like that, and you buy something, that's your choice. This is, And, and if they don't want to return it back because there's no return policy listed on there, but you're unsatisfactory, you can't say that Amazon owes you something. That right. is your decision to buy that product. And that's the same thing with the, with the Nats. It's your decision to go buy that seat in left field. It's your decision to go buy a jersey for Ryan Zimmerman. I don't know why you'd buy a Ryan Zimmerman jersey. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, why would face you go? Face the franchise. Yeah, face the franchise. But then why would you go and buy all this gear or all this kind of stuff and say like, oh, they got rid of Max Scherzer, who's 37 years old we loved him they owe us they owe us our money back because that's what this guy was saying because like someone would like rebuttal against him he'd be like man i i had season tickets to this team it's like dude you, would you relax? Like I wanted to type on there, but I was like, you know what? I don't want to get in a fight because I when, yeah. when I when I get in fights over Twitter and stuff like that, it just never goes well because those people that put those type of posts on there never understand. Yeah, you'll never change their mind. They see that one side, which is what they say, and they say, like for instance, a buddy of mine. I'm not going to call him out, but at the same sure. time, I told you about it already. He literally said. Man, this 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 sucks, man. This sucks. Why are they trading Max Scherzer and Trey Turner? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, do you even know why they traded him? Like, do you even know why? Because mainly everyone's getting pissed off more so because Max, but Trey was in there, so they just add him in there. But it's like everyone knows who Max Scherzer is. Those casual fans who know like four players, when those four players are in the news that they got you know moved to a different team, people go off. It's like a firecracker that goes off. Right. But when you, for instance, if John Lester, Jan Gomes, Harrison, Schwarber, all these guys got traded and Scherzer and Trey didn't get traded, you think there'd be this much outrage? No. Because <laughs> no. no one cares about Jan Gomes. Okay, he has a, he has some good moments here and there and stuff like that, but no one knows who Jan Gomes is uh, as a casual fan. But no. me and you look at these and we're, it's a business. Why does everyone have to freak out and say, man, they owe us something? That pisses me off more than anything. They don't owe you anything. It's entertainment. If you went to the WWE and you went to this arena, like in Capital One Arena, and they had WWE there, and John Cena or somebody didn't show up because he was hurt, do they owe you that ticket back? No, because it's an entertainment business. This is a sport. This is a business. These guys are getting paid money, and right now Mike Rizzo made the right moves to try to rebuild this farm system so this team can be competitive for the next 10 years. And that's the problem that I saw with a buddy of mine, another buddy of mine said, they should be competitive every single year. I don't care who you are. And I'm like, it's not like that. It's no. like players get old. Players get broken down. We are human beings. That's what happens. You cannot sit there and say, oh, well, we can just trade this guy and, and get another superstar. It's like they think that, like especially casual fans, they think, and I'm not trying to trash casual fans, but they have sometimes they don't have that mental you know, makeup when it comes to the business side of things. You can't right. sit there and say, oh, we should get a, we, sh we should go and get, you know, you know, you know, we, Yo Yo when he was, uh, uh, you know, huge, or Yasel Puig. Why don't we have those guys? Like, it makes no sense, and it pisses me off because I see a guy on there that says they owe me something. They don't owe you squat. 
They are a baseball team. If you don't like baseball, go watch the, the CFL or something. I don't care what you watch. Go watch something else because this team doesn't owe you anything. Maybe the CFL owes you something because their football you know, franchises are terrible. <laughs> right. they're, they're, I, I saw something on social media the other day that, that three teams signed dead people at one point. Like They drafted <laughs> a dead person, which made no sense. But it's like you look at it and you're like, what is going on with these fans? This is a business. We're trying to stay competitive. If you were fans when the team was, you know, 72 and, and 81 or whatever the record would have been back in 2007, why aren't you a fan now? I mean, we're still doing okay. We beat the Cubs, even though the Cubs sold their own to our team. But you're looking at it and saying, our farm system was trash. Now we get got rid of some of the salary cap and all that kind of stuff, even though there isn't a salary cap in baseball. But it feels like a salary cap with the learners at the helm. But you look at it and just say, this isn't anything that they owe you. If you want to be a fan, be a fan. Be a loyal fan. This is the thing that I put on my Facebook. I said, everyone needs to keep supporting the teams. They said the same thing about the Wizards. Why are we trading Russell Westbrook? He's been here for a year. It's not like he's been here since he was 17 years old, like a Kobe Bryant or something like that, who, who grew up with the Lakers. It's not like that. This is what I just don't get, man, and it really pisses me off when I see people on social media just trashing Mike Rizzo when they don't know what his job is. His job is to build a competitive franchise. You mentioned they have 48-year-old Gerardo Parra who they got from Japan or something like that because we didn't have an outfielder. I'll see this Escobar who I don't even know. Who, like I told you before, he's not even the fifth-best Escobar in the league right now. I mean, he's starting for us. It's like it doesn't make yeah. any sense because these people don't understand what a general manager or a president of baseball ops, their job is, and that's what Mike Mike Rizzo's job is to to field a competitive team, and then you have Dave Davey out there who is fielding the team and managing the team during the game. That's what it is, and people just don't understand that. And I get, I get. So part of their argument, a little bit of it, I understand. Not not any of the they owe me something or anything like that. I had, I saw some tweet that uh, somebody was giving crap to like an usher at the Nats Park. It's like as if the usher has anything to do with these moves <laughs> or something like that. But I, I do understand a tiny bit. Uh, from a fan perspective of, you know, I want to see a, re- the, a really good, I want to see a good product on the field when I go to these games and things like that. And, and I get a part of that. I, I think you should do your best to field a competitive team at the very least. Um, but I think the, 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 what the issue the Nats w- would run into, again, is they would have spent all this money on right. keeping Trey Turner. And obviously, they're going to spend all this money on keeping Juan Soto. And that would be great. But then who else is on the team? Yep. Who else is is surrounding it? Because once you bring up Cavalli and Rutledge in a couple of years, there's that farm system is depleted. I mean, Brady House probably won't be in the majors for a while. I mean, he was drafted out of high school, I think. He's eighteen. So, yeah. um, so you're not going to see him for and after, so after Cavalli and Rutledge, there's really no other guys that you would have been getting excited about uh, coming up, and it would have just been signing these guys past their prime guys for low price tags and throwing them in the lineup, the Peraras and the Escobars and that sort of stuff. So now instead we've got our eyes on some of these guys, and we won't dive in too much, but uh, JoJo Gray, Josiah Gray is pitching tomorrow. He's starting tomorrow, yeah. Monday um, for the Nats, which will be exciting to see. He has had one career start for the Dodgers. Um, I don't know. How how that start went, but uh, in AAA this season, pretty good numbers. I mean, two eighty seven ERA and uh, fifteen innings pitch, twenty two Ks, only two walks. Mm-hmm. Opponents only hitting one forty five against him. So you gotta like that. 
The number one prospect, Ruiz, the switch inning catcher. Uh, you, you mentioned some of his stats earlier. He's also got 16 bombs. Uh, the 10th prospect, you got a right-handed arm, Gerardo uh, Carrillo, who's 22. Um, he's got pretty good numbers there. 70 Ks in 59 innings, which is crazy. Uh, Aldo Ramirez, who you got from the Red Sox, another pitcher. He's 11 on the Nats uh, prospect list here, 20 years old. Uh, another righty, 2.03 ERA, 32 Ks in 31 innings. That's pretty good, too. Riley Adams, another catcher prospect from Toronto. Um, the 25 years old. This guy's a big donkey, 6'4", 246. <laughs> uh, you got Mason Thompson, who is now up with the big club in the bullpen right now. Uh, Drew Millis, Donovan Casey, Jordy Barley, Richard Gauch. Those are all guys within the top 30 uh, of the Nats' 30, top 30 prospects right now. So you've got some guys to be excited about. And I know that's tough for the casual fan to care about, yep. like I mentioned. But at the end of the day, trust us. This will pay off. Yeah. This and, will make this team competitive. And I'm not trying to interrupt you here, but no, just going fine. off of what you just said, that these arms that you've just mentioned, what has been the biggest ordeal for our team this year? It is the relief pitching. And a lot of these guys, yeah. as you mentioned, when a guy has 32 Ks and 31 innings, that's a relief pitcher right there. That's guy. That's a guy that's going to come in, in the seventh inning and go out there and strike one or two guys out and then get a ground ball and then get you out of that inning. That's a type of guy that we need because we need to build up. I mean, look at the Yankees. The Yankees always have pretty decent uh, relief pitchers for the most part. You know, when you look at Andrew Miller and different things of that nature, I think the, I think the Indi Indians had him at one point as well. But right. you're looking at guys like that, you need players of that nature that are going to go out there and build something. You don't always need a Steven Strasburg. You don't always need a Max Scherzer out there to help your team. Yes, you need pretty good starters, but we are always prone to find those good starters with Corbin, even though he's had a rough year, and then we had Strasburg and Max and all this. We are always going to get those starters in there, but when you look at it, the relief pitching has been an issue, and we address that situation. Now, like you mentioned, a lot of catchers in the system, but we need a catcher yeah. as well. Yeah, uh, there's some cool depth there. I mean, Adams, Millis, and then uh, Kiebert Ruiz, as well as Tres Pereira, who's already up with the big club. Um, so, you know, it's never a bad thing to have some depth, depth in a position, and you could always maybe flip one of those guys at some point for uh, somebody else. You never know. Right. You know, uh, it's and, just it's yeah. exciting, though. And, and that's the thing, too, is just some, just some, uh, go along with what you said as well mm -hmm. with with uh, you see the, their point. I do see Nat's points. OK, or Nat's fans points, I should say. I do see everyone's point where, you know, you're like, well, I want to win now and stuff like that. And and no one wants to see. I mean, what do you think Philly? I mean, either Philly fans are the worst. What do you think the Sixers fans felt when they were doing trust the process for like seven years? OK, a little bit different in basketball because there's a lot less players. But when you look at it right here, we rebuilt the system. And just like you mentioned, just trust us. You have to sit there and rebuild around Juan Soto. Now, one thing I, d I will mention that I do agree with a lot of the Nats fans that were going crazy on Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that, this is zero reason, zero reason right. the learners cannot re-sign Juan Soto. Yeah. I don't care if you pay him as much money as Jeff Bezos is worth. You have to <laughs> sign the guy that's 22 years old, 21 yeah. years old, and in the MVP voting. Yeah, okay? you have you, to. You, you, no, you're right, you're that. right. If they, if they don't... Then I then I totally understand the uh, like you know abandoning the team and and all that and the and the crap that you can send the learners away and all that stuff. I yep. if they don't re resign Juan Soto, I I get all that and I'm on board with that. I will lead the parade uh, down <laughs> to Nats Park uh, in protest if that doesn't happen. I don't think that'll happen. I feel yeah. like they'll get a deal done, but we'll see. Um, 
We'll keep an eye on some of this and, and some of these prospects. Obviously, the season's still going, so some yeah. of these guys, I mean, again, we'll get to see uh, Josiah Gray tomorrow, which will be kind of fun. Um, Kiba Ruiz, I assume, will possibly get brought up at some point this season. I mean, some of these guys are already in AAA. There's some guys in uh, AA and then in high A as well. Um, so these are just names to keep an eye out for for, for the for the future. Uh, forecast on the week for the Nats. You got four games at home against Philly. And then uh, three at Atlanta. So all division games here for the next seven uh, moving forward. Let's hit up the final lap, and then we'll get into some trivia, and then the money line. 90 seconds of some uh, quick analysis on big stories in sports. Here we go. Mike, Team USA Basketball will face Spain in the men's quarterfinals on Tuesday in the Olympics. I'm not looking forward to this whole entire tournament just because they played so horribly for the entire tournament. But uh, I, who knows? Maybe they win. Who knows what they win or not? I don't know. <laughs> Former Washington Capital, Marc-Andre Fleury, joins the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. Capital? He was a former Pittsburgh Penguin. Well, didn't he come to – wasn't he the no. goalie for no. the Caps at one point? He, they signed him and he didn't play a minute? Or am I thinking? Who am I thinking of that they signed with the heart issue? Henrik Lundqvist. Oh, I was thinking of Lundqvist. Sorry, we're about the same age though, so I will. Yeah, (laughs) you understand my confusion. But anyway, Mark Andre Fleury joins the Blackhawks. Uh, Isn't he like (laughs) forty? I don't even know what's. I don't even know what the Blackhawks making some wild moves. Yeah, they are. Uh, Evander Kane from the Sharks. Speaking of hockey, uh, he got. He's there's some allegations that he might have bet on NHL games. I don't know if you saw the story. I saw, didn't he have some serious issues with his, like, his wife or something yeah, like that? Yeah, his wife was the one exposing yeah. uh, this stuff. So, I don't know. We'll keep an eye on the story. Nick it's, Chubb. It's, it's, hard, it's hard not to bet on NFL or, or sports in general. Yeah, but if you're in the league, you probably shouldn't That's be true. betting. My yeah. guy, Nick oh, yeah. Chubb, who helped me win a fantasy football trophy last season. Three-year extension with the Cleveland Browns. And the Cleveland Browns, I mean, he's he's one of those guys, like I said before, like the short and stalky kind of like Russell Westbrook type of guy that, that doesn't really get injured that much, but definitely a good sign, especially with Kareem Hunt uh, as his backup. And then uh, mm-hmm. the Mets, so they draft Kumar Rocker in the first round. Um, they have not signed him. Uh, there was a deadline to reach, which is August 1st. They did not sign him before August 1st. There's kind of been this weird cloud around this, Mike. There was some hidden injury um, that maybe the team wasn't told about. Uh, he's Scott Boris is his agent, and 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 you know, obviously there's always uh, you know what's going on lately with Scott Boris. So Kamar Rocker, who uh, at one time Mike I was like the number one prospect in college baseball pitching wise, and then he kind of slowly dropped down, and other guys uh, rose up like Jack Leiter and things like that for Vandy, but. Uh, it's kind of weird to think about your your first round draft pick. You end up not signing. He's not a New York Met. Well, if you're if you're the if you're the Nats and you're rebuilding that farm system, see how much hey, he's going to be. Give over a call to Scott, our guy Scott Boris. Scott Boris and Mike Rizzo, they're kind of tight. Yeah, we, it, this, the Nats are basically funding Scott Boris's like vacation home pretty much <laughs> right. because of how much money this team has given to him. Uh, let's hit up the trivia question here, Mike's DC trivia. I have been just killing the game when it comes to these trivia questions. Been doing pretty well. I don't want to get my confidence up too high. <laughs> I believe last week's answer was that a Wizards question, and I got uh, Phil Chenier. our boy Phil Chenier last week. Yeah. So uh, what did you got for me this week? 
It is a WFT question correct. because this a lot is of not the ones. <laughs> yeah, well, the problem is a lot of these that have you know because the Nats haven't been around too too long, so sure. like they, don't, they always have senator questions. And I'm like, no one knows anything. Yeah, about the I know. No, I, I wouldn't be able to get those. And then and then obviously you know when it comes down to Wizards, like there's not a lot of Wizards questions in here either. But anyways, uh, there's a lot of WFT questions. But this one is is not that bad. It's a 20, 2010 question. Okay. Okay. I'll try. Which, which doesn't help you at all, I guess. No. No. All right. Here we go. In a 2010 win over the Chicago Bears, Windy City Breeze guys, what Redskins defensive back tied an NFL single-game record by intercepting Jay Cutler four times? In a 2010 win over the Chicago Bears, what Redskins defensive back tied an NFL single-game record by intercepting the then Jay Cutler four times in a game? I will give you a hint and a question because the hint is really easy. The hint is it's my favorite player. And I okay. have his jersey. And I have his jersey. Okay. Okay. Defensive back. I have a lot of jerseys. So I know that's the can... problem. Is you have a lot. <laughs> it's not like I keep track of your jerseys. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure. Like when you say it, I'll be like, "Oh, of course." Right. Right. So it's not okay. No, I was thinking of a linebacker. We're talking defensive backs. Yep. Um, yeah. Yikes! What question should I ask? Um. What does his first name... What is the first letter in his first okay, name? Okay, come on now. Ask something better it's than that. It's, it's a question. It's a question, but you're asking me basically what is the first syllable in his name? No, no, first letter. First letter. D. I mean, that doesn't help me at all. <laughs> See? I mean, again, and look, the people that listen to the show that are Washington football fans are screaming at their phones right now because they're like, dude, how could you be so stupid to not know the answer Ask to this? Ask me where he went to college. Okay, where did he go to college? Oh, good question. Good that question. Doesn't, that doesn't help <laughs> Virginia Tech. Okay, I mean, he was again, drafted in the top. I'm three sure picks. I know the guy. I just don't know the guy off off the top of my head. I don't because <laughs> I, I know just, the guy. I didn't follow this team that that closely in 2010. I was following played, my Detroit Lions going like over for 16. three teams. Three teams he played I, for. You're telling me things. First that team don't, he played for was the Falcons. I'm trying to get anything. you. I'm trying to give you everything. Man. I mean, like, here we go. Falcons, Raiders. Redskins. I mean, the only name that starts with a D, and I'm going to sound like a moron if I say this name. Don't say Deion Sanders. No, 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 no. The only okay. name that starts with a D. I was going to say, like, D'Angelo Hall, but, like, was he a defensive back? <laughs> or is he no, wide receiver? You don't know D'Angelo Hall is a defensive back? <laughs> I don't know. It's D'Angelo Hall. That's my guess. That's the right answer. Okay. Yes. Okay. I don't know okay. if you get coins for that, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I get two coins for that. He played at Virginia Tech, and I loved Virginia Tech. <sighs> Or I still do, but he played. Yeah. He got drafted in the top ten easily by the Falcons, and then he got I mean, then he got traded or something like that to the meaningless Raiders. To me, meaningless right. information to me. All right. I know D'Angelo <laughs> Hall's name. I know he was on the the Redskins. That was a great game, by the uh, way, because he just kept intercepting Jay Cutler. And I mean, that was, sounds great. Four picks. That sounds great. Um, was Rex Grossman the quarterback at that point for the Redskins? Uh, what twenty ten? I'd. Don't believe. I don't think at least. No, RG3 Rex was, was a there. little earlier, right? RG three, yeah, because RG three was in twenty twelve. Yeah, think, yeah. And they had uh, Rex was like when I was in middle school, I think. Or yeah, like, he was. He was like yeah. I think he was like two thousand seven or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. That sounds right. That sounds right. I just remember Rex. They, they, they have like eighteen quarterbacks. So who knows? <laughs> who knows? You're right, years. right, right. Okay. Well, I mean, it's hey, it still counts as a as a correct answer for me. 
Uh, I'm counting it. Uh, let's hit All up right. the money line. Speaking of correct answers, as uh, your boy had another two in a week. Two straight. Uh, it's been I've been red hot with the picks. Better put some money on these picks. I am 17 and 17 now. I've been below 500 for most of this uh, series or whatever we're talking when we're doing these picks, and I finally have pulled into 500 mark. I am one game below you. You had a yep. one in one week. That's your kind of your mo. There it um, is. You're 18 and 16 though. You're two games above 500. Uh, my picks, I'm sticking with the soccer side of things. The MLS, I don't watch a minute of MLS soccer, but you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm making my picks on it. My lock, Orlando, don't let me down. Orlando playing FC Cincinnati on Saturday, and then my upset. DC United, I believe Columbus is like fifth or sixth, and then uh, DC United's like eighth or ninth. So it's definitely it's, it's an upset. I'm picking DC United over the Columbus crew on Wednesday. I'll be watching closely that game. Didn't uh, Doesn't the Premier League start like this week? Isn't that uh, next week? You're asking the wrong guy. Okay, you're not a Premier League guy. Got it. Nope. Uh, <laughs> I love Real Madrid. Yeah, you're. Aren't you a Bundesliga guy or something like no, that? No, that's Germany. I'm, I'm a I'm a UCL guy. I love the Champions League the most. Okay, he likes the Champions. I just, League I just don't because because you have to have like specialty TV like yeah like, no like no some I, weird channel every or year something like that. every year when I know when I hear that the Premier League is starting every year I go this is the season where I'm gonna follow the Premier League. <laughs> right, I right. download the apps and stuff. I get the score updates. I mean, I I do get score updates for soccer. I have soccer apps. I don't watch a minute of it, but I get the updates. <laughs> like, I know USA is playing Mexico tonight. I'll get a billion texts for that, but um, you know, I just don't... Uh, I just can never do it, because you're right. The games are usually early... Uh, yep. In the morning, you know, five hours ahead. So if you're gonna if yeah. you're gonna watch it, you're gonna have to go like record it, and I don't even know how to do that these days. Uh, it's just too much work. It's too much work to be into the Premier League, and and the people that are here in the U.S. that are into the Premier League are like really into the Premier. Oh, League. Yeah, really? Like yeah. they're getting up at like five a.m. to watch these games or whatever. It's yeah, crazy. I, I'm not doing the seven a.m. watching the Manchester City go in. No, you know, you know, no. It's like the people in Hawaii that watch the NFL. Hawaii is six hours back. The one o'clock kickoffs are are like yeah, five a.m. for them. Or whatever. Yeah, We're not five a.m. Seven a.m. I guess. Is whatever. It is. Who, who, no, yeah. But I, uh, I, I honestly, you know, whenever I do the premiere, I always do Real Madrid. But like I said, like so the only games I really watch are the Champions League for the most part, or like the the you know the championship or the Copa yeah. Del so you Ray, see the good teams stuff. from you know what I will say I, though I don't watch, uh, and I'll let you say your picks in a sec. Um, Though I don't watch Premier League or any of that soccer, I do love soccer team documentaries on like Amazon and Netflix true, and things true. like that. Yeah. There's been some really good ones over the years. Um, I forget the one I, I just watched that was on Amazon, um, but I really like the ones where it's the teams that fall out of the Premier League and, and drop a couple spots and, and get relegated to like one of the lower leagues and they're trying to build themselves back up. There's been some really good stories. The two Escobars. Um, the two Escobars are really good. Uh, 30 for 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one's really team. good. I mean, there's, I'll, I'll tell you, soccer documentaries are awesome. Soccer as a whole, watching it on TV, <laughs> yeah, you lose me a little bit. But I'll watch a soccer documentary uh, 10 times out of 10. Yeah, that's the whole thing about soccer. Yeah, the Gold Cup, though, Mexico ended up winning me some money the other day on DraftKings because they beat Canada in extra time. So that was actually nice. Uh, I was sweating there a little bit because they missed a penalty kick uh, really late in that game. Right, anyways, and the Olympic team from Mexico, I think, scored like seven goals the other day. I think they're killing it. But, uh, but yeah, USA and Mexico play tonight. Um, at eight thirty, in case you're watching, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, so my picks, real quick. Uh, obviously, last week I be- I thought I said I might have mis misread what I was saying, but I think I, I said something 
uh, for you accidentally was, said Iraq. It was Iran. Iraq. It was Iran. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But I, fig- uh, I, I, I figured it out. You were right. I saw it said IRA, and I, I just I, I honestly just just kind of yeah, spoke there. But anyway, you still uh, got it right. Uh, so so obviously they have the, the the tournaments coming down in the quarterfinals here. I got Australia, and I made up this line because I can't find a line. Because I think it might be a, a, you know illegal to give lines to <laughs> Olympics. I don't know, uh, but I could never find them. But Australia, I put the line at fourteen and a half okay. uh, as favorites over Argentina. So I'm gonna take Australia lock to win by fifteen plus. And also the upset, I got uh, uh, was it Casey Mize? Is it Casey Mize? Yeah, it's, it's Casey, Casey right? I always yeah. forget the first name. I know it's C. I, I traded him for him in the uh, in the show, by the way. Sure. Uh, and uh, uh, so I got Mize over the Red Sox on Wednesday. Ooh, okay. I mean, hey, you're picking it, not me. I mean, uh, the the Tigers have been up and down. They did beat the Orioles today, which is always good when you beat a, a crappier team. Um, <laughs> but you never know. You never know against those bigger teams. They overlook you. Um, I'd love to see Casey Mize and the Tigers beat the Red Sox on Wednesday. So I'll, I'll, watch, watch, Ar- watch Argentina whoop Australia. Oh, and yeah. Tigers just whoop Red Sox, and I still go one and one, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, it, it'll probably happen. But uh, ke- we're keeping track of our picks. Make your own picks at home. Feel free to tweet us uh, and let us know who you're picking in certain games, or or give us some picks ahead of time. Say, hey Ben. I think you should take this one for the show. Um, this is the money line, our picks of the week. You can always tweet us at the DC crossover and at Cerrone. Soon to be sponsored. Yes, yes, soon to be some sponsors coming up. I believe that starts in like September. I'm pretty yep. sure. Um, so yeah, you'll be hearing some more sponsor ads and things like that coming up uh, in, in about a month. I'm pretty sure that's the timeline for that. Uh, besides that, uh, as always, please follow us on the contender too. follow the show there. Uh, listen to the show. Uh, hopefully we doing some more live stuff. We did the live show with them. What, what was that last week or the week yep, before last Tuesday? That was a lot of fun. And uh, we, we always appreciate them for letting us on the airwaves and uh, we'll check out some of the other shows there. Hey, if you're interested in Chicago sports, there's some good Chicago shows out there. And, of course, uh, Bill Rowland does a great D.C. sports show, too, on The Contender. So we encourage you to check that out as well. As far as the show goes uh, in podcast form, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff on any platform that you listen to the show. Huge week in trades. We'll see what this week holds, Mike. I'm really hoping. I've been saying it for weeks that I want us to talk some football. I think we finally get a chance to do so next week. We will finally start talking about the Washington football team, who's made some moves here in, in recent days uh, that we have to, haven't even talked about, some, some uh, contract extensions and things like that. We'll get into that next week's show football season right around the corner the caps also some movement there we got to talk about um but uh, right now the wizards and the Nats had to dominate the airwaves on this episode but this is the dc crossover so we will make sure to touch on those other sports next week for mike Cerrone, i'm ben simpson we will see you next time on the dc crossover see you